Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's say good times in. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green on AM860, The Answer in the Golf News Network. I'm your host, JT, and we've got Camaro Dave and Commander Chris with us, lurking around the studio uh, somewhere. The, this is the show where every week we have a lot of fun and talk about golf and the interesting and uh, characters of golf, not so much about how to fix your golf swing. We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef for sponsoring this. It's the way beef was uh, intended by nature. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef and also Gunter Wilhelm Knives, unmatched quality and comfort and efficiency in your kitchen. You can check them out online at GunterWilhelm.com. Uh, our guest, Goes uh, If you follow golf at all, I'm sure you've read his work before. I'm, I'm privileged to count him as a dear friend of mine. And uh, he's made another change in his life. Jim Dodson uh, is joining us today from uh, with the feet up on his desk in, in North Carolina. Um, I can say that because he was out doing leaf aerobics. So we'll talk about that at some That's point right. in the show. But Jim, welcome back. Hey, Reverend Tracy. Uh, <laughs> I was calling in to get tips on my golf wing. I, I didn't realize this was some show about wacko characters in golf like you and me yeah well <laughs> we uh you know i had uh brian henniger on last week he could have fixed your golf swing jim he, when yeah you... well there's probably a lot of guys but i don't have the money to go to them you know they're like what are they three hundred dollars an hour or something yeah something like that you know, we, we need to get one of those gigs because you know they always just say they always just take hogan hogan's uh you know five fundamentals the night before read it and then just tell them here's what you need to do and aim the aim the club and you know <laughs> and then they stand and let them beat balls for two hours and charge them six hundred dollars yeah no i i think you know i guess i'm ruined by arnie who i once made the mistake when we were working on his book of asking him i said oh arnold did you ever actually have a lesson and he gave me what i call the look which is kind of a cross between a constipated eagle and a very unhappy private school professor and uh and said shakespeare i didn't need any help <laughs> and look at his golfman you know he didn't yeah <laughs> well i can't say the same thing though but you are well, right the rest of us can absolutely use some help oh yeah absolutely and um i can tell you you know the only the only per people that i think that make better money than teaching golf rows that have a good stable full of students is lawyers but we won't go there because because yeah. <laughs> i don't want to talk about <laughs> lawyers anyway no i don't know we've got we have too many in america as it is uh, <laughs> although every it's funny every every book talk i get you know i do in a non-covid year i probably do about 10 speaking nice speaking gigs around the country and i it is uncanny probably at least half of those 
someone will come up at the end, just get a book signed or something, and we'll talk, and they'll say the same thing. You know, well, man, I'd love to do what you do. I'd give anything to do. And I say, well, what do you do? I say, I'm a corporate lawyer. Okay. <laughs> it must be the compensation is you're incredibly wealthy, but the negative is you're bored out of your mind. You know, so I guess I don't know. I'm going to probably get a lot of emails from very unhappy corporate lawyers. <laughs> well, you know, you every corporate lawyer I've met, and I've met a lot of them as you have over the years. Yeah. Yeah. And your yeah. description of Arnie, which was a constipated eagle versus a uh, you know, a, a dowdy looking private school professor. That's the way a lot that's of corporate lawyers look. That's true. That's true. And that's, of course, he was very wealthy. You know, one thing about Arnold I just love, I mean, he was such a guy's guy. He was such a, an ordinary kind of guy. He, uh, um, as Winnie Palmer once said to me about Arnold, she said, you know, that, and we were, this was a late night. Arnold had dozed off at the table. We had had a wonderful dinner out and we were sitting in their little 1950s kitchen. I mean, you could put Arnold's house probably in the garage of the current PGA tours, 20th ranked player. Uh, and we were sitting there and we had a couple kettle ones and he dozed off and Wendy, when he said, uh, uh, she said, you know, the thing about Arnold that's amazing. And he, he understands this. He's an ordinary guy to whom something extraordinary happened. And I think that's a perfect description of Ron Paul. Oh yeah, that's that's a very appropriate description of that. Um, I can't say the same thing in my life um, because I'm still pretty ordinary. And I'm, I was not going to call you ordinary. You're not, you're not ordinary. <laughs> you're, you're you're kind of a Renaissance guy, Jeff. Well, I think of you as, a, as kind of a Renaissance guy. You ride horses. You cook like the devil. You 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 run golf events. You're a golf host. Uh, Apparently, you're on the cover of magazines there as the most eligible married man. You know, so. Yeah. I get in trouble. No, no, you're fine. My wife doesn't listen to this show, so it's fine. It's oh, it's no. fine. Um, you've made a big change, my friend. We've got about four minutes. I figure we can get part of it in here uh, before we go to break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim's going to be around for the whole show, but. Um, you, you, your career, you started as a beat reporter. You worked at the Atlanta Journal. You worked in Washington. You've done all this stuff. You cr covered crimes. You got on the golf beat. You did great stuff on that. And then after a while, you know, 10, 12 years ago, you said, no, I'm done with that pretty much. And then now you're back. You're back with the, you know, the mashy and the niblicks and the, all those people. <laughs> yeah. At the Global Golf Post. Yeah, the Global Golf Post. Really, really yeah, it's really fun. Um, you know, you get. I love how you just got you. You described my career in about three and a half, a half a sentence, which is perfect. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, what in what you know, two thousand five. I came home to cover the U.S. Open for the local um, the, the the newspaper in Pinehurst. It's a famous little newspaper, and I did it kind of on a lark. I had such a great time. Of course, I'm from down here, and I decided to stick around. So. Um, and I really wasn't abandoning golf writing, I, or as someone once said, no, I didn't leave them. They left me. The golf fraternity of writers was shrinking madly in 2005, if you think back. I mean, magazines were folding up, and it was just kind of a precursor to 2008, the, the real the great recession. So uh, I just I decided I wanted to just uh, kind of get, feed my small town Jones and, and write a local column and try my hand at that. I'd had some really lovely success doing other things. And 
very fortunate. And so what I did was I just continued writing my golf book, the Hogan book, A Son of the Game. I wrote that about Pinehurst and Southern Pines and and then of course American Triumvirate, uh, and then the Range Bucket List. All those were were really born down in the, in the 15 years. And I also had a chance to start these arts and culture magazines in North Carolina, one called a Henry in Greensboro and one called Salt in Wilmington. Um, and then uh, Pine Straw, which was the, the, the mothership in Pinehurst, which mm-hmm. uh, was just wonderful. So, you know, that's what brought me home. And after 15 years, as of last Friday, it was my last day as the editor of those magazines, which are doing very, very well. And I'm very honored we have the best writers in the south writing for us and uh it's just time for me to step aside and bring my protege in and become kind of the old man in the corner who sits and mumbles incoherent things and offers <laughs> occasionally a good story idea and brings the scotch you know <laughs> that a boy now you're talking my game there you know hey. uh yeah. do you like do you like the image of being the curmudgeon in the corner you know, my mother used to tell me when I was little, she said, Jimmy, you were born an old man. She didn't say it as a compliment, you know. So it was like, I guess I was stubborn. I don't remember. I always thought I was very, you know, obedient. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I kind of do. I, I, I will say this. I just finished writing a column for my Simple Life column, which comes out on O'Henry Magazine, and you can get it online uh, for next month. And I talk about how I realized I was tr- I've turned into my father and my grandfather before my very eyes. I mean, I, I love flannel shirts, and I, I I really would just sit in the yard and watch the birds all, you know, in the afternoon feed. And there's, it's just there are things when you get older, and I'm I'm 67, although I don't I'm told I don't look it, and I certainly don't feel it. Um, a friend of mine says, you know, you can you you can't live forever, but you can be immature forever. So he he's he's lived up to that, by the way, and he's the same age. Um, I. Uh, I have a lot I want to do, and I think ambition uh, in the best kind of ambition that where you're turning something inside you uh, is motivates you. I I just realized it's I, there's things I really want to do. I want to write at least four or five more books that I have in mind. I'm finishing one now. I just finished a centennial history of Eastwood Ho Golf Club, the beautiful club on Cape Cod that Herbert Fowler designed, um, and I'm just finishing a book on the great wagon road or about to finish it. I hope in the next few months and uh, then it'll be back to a big golf book about Harry Varden. I've always wanted to write about him and I've spent a lot of time in Jersey where he was born and Ganton where he was the pro. So I have a lot, of, I have a lot of things unfinished. And then, you know, Jeff, you and I've talked about doing some fun stuff together. Right. So I think that there's a lot of future things that I really want to do. There you go. We're going to take a break here on grilling at the green. Jim Dodson and I will be back shortly. Stay with us, please. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back here on Grilling at the Green. Uh, I'm JT. We've got Jim Dodson with me today. Uh, it's a little, um, inside baseball, Jim and I are buddies. We met via this show actually several years ago, and, uh, we've kind of remained uh, long distance pen pals and communicating back and forth. Um, and it's been great. And I've really cherished all the time I've been able to, to spend with Jim here. Um, before we 
get on to the show here. Langdon Farms, don't forget they've got a grill going Friday night. Prime rib specials down there at Langdon Farms right off of I-5. And you can follow us on Facebook at Grilling at the Green and Twitter and all that stuff. And you can email us at info at grillingatthegreen.net. So there, I got it all in. Okay, back to Jim Dodson here. Um, you know, you've got one of the more storied careers as a golf writer and i've talked to a lot of golf writers because i'm a journalism guy to put it you know like that and i've talked to a lot of them and um but i'm not sure anybody has had the the career that you've had um not just starting out as a newspaper guy and all that stuff but what i'm talking about is within the golf world the books you've written, the working with Arnold, working with other people, um, the of course final rounds and bucket list and and mm-hmm. all those different things, son of the game. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm not sure anybody's, you know, maybe um, Henry uh, Longhurst, uh, may, maybe uh, I don't uh, know uh, Updike, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. yeah. But I don't know anybody's had the career you've had. Well, you're very kind to say that. First off, it's just it feels insanely lucky. Uh, I I think one of the things that may have helped that was that my dad, when I was a little kid, I I lived we he my dad owned a newspaper down in Mississippi, and he wanted, always wanted to get back to North Carolina, and so we we made three stops across the deep south, and I had this kind of lonely, not lonely, alone childhood. You know, I had I had an older brother, but we didn't really share a lot of mutual interests except Roman soldiers. Yep. Uh, and so I, I spent, I spent uh, a lot of my time um, reading and in the woods, building forts and, you know, doing kids, shoving kid, redneck kid stuff. You know, right. So, uh, I think that served me pretty well. Uh, I've always been very independent as a result. I didn't get the, and, and then the journalism career I had was seemed natural. I read books. My dad was a journalist. Uh, so I followed in his path and I enjoyed it. I loved meeting people. I love talking to people. I love hearing their stories. So I think that that, and I've got to the Atlanta constitution Sunday magazine, which is the oldest in the country where Margaret Mitchell worked. And it was the, uh, I was their youngest writer in 75 years at that point. And, um, you know, I, uh, I learned a lot. I was always a good learner. I, I, I listened and paid attention and, you know, I I think that that's so instead of going to Yankee, I mean, the, the, I had a chance to go to the Washington Post, which is my dream job. I took a Yankee magazine instead up in the mountains of the hills of New Hampshire. And that was the smartest move I ever made because I learned about real storytelling from Yankee, a wonderful magazine, the old New England magazine. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a gift. I mean, I learned about and you see it in the arts and culture magazines that I helped start and have edited from for 15 years and just gave up, uh, last week and, um, or, or stepped aside. Uh, so I think, I think all of those things, but I will say this, that when I went to new England, it was really golf that saved my life. Uh, I mean, I was, I spent seven and a half years in Atlanta covering every bullet headed sheriff in North Georgia, every Klansman in deep Alabama, every corrupt politician in Dixie and every, you know, strange story about the new South. And I was after seven years, I was burned out. I was, I never took a vacation. I never, 
I played one, as far as I can remember, I played one round of golf in the home of Bobby Jones of the game I adore. And so when I moved to New England, I had a chance. I bought myself some secondhand Hogan irons, uh, and uh, and I started beating the rust off my game. And, and I, then the next thing I know, I was writing for Golf Magazine. And, you know, golf is such a wonderful game for friendships and the relationships. I mean, look, look at our friendship. Uh, I, I think that that's, again, I, I would have to say, I agree. I, I, I'm, I've had such a fortunate, good fortune writing about the game. I love so much. Um, part of that is, you know, um, I had the good fortune of being chosen to write Arnold's memoir after the final rounds came out. And, and that led to the Hogan, big Hogan biography. Right. That was brutal. That was four years of hard work. And but I do work hard. I, I find my journalism, my old, investigative journalism writing skills and a touch of my father's poetry to what I write. And, uh, and I don't try to think about it too much. It, just, <laughs> it's, uh, it can disappear. It's, it's like going down steps and then you start thinking about it, you tumble forward and fall. So I try not to think about it, but I'm grateful. Uh, yeah, well, you've, you've, you've done well, you've, and this is no detrimental comment, but you've been lucky. You've done well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. You know, and you've been in the right place at the right time. I've had that happen in my life. I think we all do. It's whether or not you take advantage of it or not. Uh, you, I, you know, how do you feel about the old thing? And I, I used to think it was fatherall when I was a young, trusting young man. And people say, you know, you make your own luck. But I tend to think that there's something to that. You know, by dint of hard work, quiet ambition. Uh, um, um, you know, I, I, maybe the proudest thing, the, the, the most comfort I take, and, and, and I'm not one great for, even though I write personally, like the, the new column for Global Golf Post is called The Good Game. Um, and certainly the column I wrote for Golf Magazine for years was called The Golf Life, and it was never about tour players. And often, you know, I write personally about the game sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I'm not one that does much about introspection, you know, trying to figure out how I got here and why. I just sort of try to keep a sense of wonder about everything I do. And I, that comes directly from my father. Yep. Uh, and I think when you live with a sense of wonder, doors open, maybe. Oh, I think you're right, Jim. I think uh, we got to take a break here in a second. But I, I will tell you that if you get up, and you look out the window and your mind goes wandering, no pun intended, maybe something yeah. good will happen and you create something that day or you start something that will be created in the long run. If you get up and you look out and you're kind of dour and glum, eh, maybe you should just, you know, take another shot of scotch and go back to bed for another six hours or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Jim and I are going to take a break. We'll be back here on Grilling at the Green uh, right after this. Hey, it's JT, and this part of Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Ben Hogan Golf. Check them out online at benhogangolf.com. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green as we're having more fun off the air. Um, We've got Jim Dodson with us today. We'd like to thank the folks at Painter Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended, and also the folks, Scott White and his crew over at Ben Hogan Golf, tour quality clubs at factory direct prices. It's 
check them out online at benhogangolf.com. Um, we've got Jim Dodson with us today. In in the in the world of golf, not just the the tours, but just in the the world of golf. God, you know, Jim, over the years we've gotten, especially like the last six, eight years, you know, golf yeah. is golf is shrinking. Golf is bigging, getting bigger. Golf is shrinking. Tiger came back. Tiger's taking a break. Yeah. Tiger's this, yeah. Tiger's that. Are, are they, I mean, are they looking for that golden straw in a pile of, uh, out behind the barn to, to be yeah. somebody to be yeah. the salvation? Yeah, I, well, it all it all kind of pivots off of the Tiger the Tiger Woods phenomenon, and when so you have Arnold comes into the game really in '58, '60 has his amazing one, you know, U.S. Open and Masters year and uh, British Open and '61, and then then uh, the game of golf grows tenfold over the next ten years, inspired by Arnold, and so in America at least, and then you get so then you get to the '70s and '80s, you got Johnny Miller, and you have a lot of really wonderful players. Jack Nicholas is the dominant player in the seventies and eighties, eighty six at least. Uh, and and then you know golf from there. So we're talking about the nineties. It's Greg Norman, and you had some really, you know, two or three really high quality players. Faldo, mm-hmm. Strange, but but the, there wasn't the Messiah figure. You know, there wasn't this this exciting player. And of course, Tiger ignites everything. And during that period, the game of golf continued to grow. That's when you got the, the word, the phrase, designer golf course, uh, you know, right. uh, signature golf holes. Nobody ever wrote about those in the early 80s, and 50s, 60s, 70s, and even early 80s. But suddenly they were very vogue, and you have the high-end, pricey hotel golf courses and resort courses that started growing. And the game really did grow. And then the equipment revolution happened. You have aerospace people. <laughs> to go into golf, you have you know Gary Adams at, at Odyssey and and TaylorMade and Ely does his thing with Callaway and Barney Adams does Adams you know and and King of course and they all explode and the game gets huge then the game gets expensive because it makes a lot of costs a lot of you know money to develop golf clubs in Carlsbad California sure so you know. Um, I think what happened, and then Tiger comes along, and just it just it kicks it into overdrive. And what you saw, I think, is kind of a false positive. You know, you and I and everybody else who's over the age of fifty will remember. You know, I remember everybody was a big Tiger fan. All these people, you demand stuff. Those were not real golf fans. They were sports fans. They would right. watch championship and saw competitions if they, if they, you know, they thought it would be. They could yell at the companion. I mean, it really you you saw a whole. And I think the manufacturers and people got this idea that golf was this, they, they, you know, you had the golf foundation and saying every year we need, we need a golf course a day opening to meet the demand. It was false. It, it was like the, the real estate boom. And so we get to 2007, uh, everything is ever built. The equipment's way too much. It was too hard to learn this game. Uh, and it, it just collapsed like a $2 beach chair when the economy went down. And I think now golf, is back to what it should be, growing about one to two percent a year. Mm-hmm. I think actually one of the things, one of the, 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 the one good thing about COVID is it's it's called, golf courses have been booming since showing increases in rounds of twenty to thirty percent. So I think golf is back to this game. It, it's found its level again, um, and I think people uh, are discovering. Um, you know, it's virtues as a walking game or a game you play with your friends or, or buddies. 
uh, or your wife, uh, and and it, it's kind of reached its own level. And now, I guess now people are waiting for the next tiger. Maybe it's this muscled young <coughs> chap with the French name. Uh, I kind of doubt it. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't destroy his back with that golf swing, and you know, a couple of years, I'll be amazed. But uh, you know, yeah, it's, uh, golf. Golf is, I think, is. It's coming back. I what I think it golf is very healthy now. Uh, it's it's got the people who love it, and and the, I don't I don't think all the people who were in the game of golf, and I'm not talking about the tours. I'm talking about who were trying to used to go to the PGA merchandise shows down in Orlando, and it would be twelve uh, uh, halls, different halls filled with people who were selling everything. The greatest new golf ball, the greatest new golf club, this gizmo. Those people are largely gone. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and golf is kind of this game that, uh, you know, that it's still rather expensive, but even relatively speaking, the prices have leveled off somewhat, somewhat, you know, and it's a game you can, that, uh, you know, it, it, it plays at its own level now, you know, I, 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 that's why I'm, I'm really pleased to do this new column again for golf, global golf post, uh, called the good game. There's so many good things about the game of golf. Uh, the friendships you make, the places you get to go, the fun you have, beating, trying to beat old men par. Uh, you're out in nature. You know, it's a solitary game, but you play it with camp- companions. There's so many good things. And that's why I hope they're right about characters and people in Game of Golf, um, you know, again, who represent that passion. You that's my oblique way of inviting your, your listeners to say, get, me, get in touch and tell me about characters. And of course, you're the character number one on my list, so uh, remember that. <laughs> I, I'm afraid I'm number one on several lists, but yours sounds like the one I want to be on, not the other ones. You know, I, I noticed they gave up putting the pictures on the wall at the post office with the guys holding the numbers underneath their chin, you know? <laughs> Those are the good old days. Those are the good old days, and so... I, I I got a little reprieve on that deal, but the <laughs> the rest of it. But they they have a photo of you on a horse there, and they think they'd refer to you as the new Pancho Villa, you know, something like that, and, uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. In my younger yeah. days, maybe so. Any more the one at Safeway that you have to put the quarters in? That's probably more my speed. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, and I can only do seventy five cents worth. I can't go for a dollar anymore because I. Yeah. Just, Throw up, right? Yeah, uh, I can't do that. Now you're dating. We're dating ourselves talking about those things. Those things don't exist anymore, do they? Uh, in museums, like probably where we should be. Yeah. But, but anyway. Where we should be. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, speaking of where we should be, here's our buddy Bruce, Bruce Furman. <clears throat> He's a golf instructor, if you didn't know that, Jim. But Bruce Furman with our golf tip of the week. This is Bruce Furman. I'm the director of instruction out at Langdon Farms. And uh, today's tip is about. One of the old cliches in golf about keeping your left arm straight in your backswing. The reality is many pros have some left arm bend in in their backswing and actually have bend a a little bit at impact. The elbow kind of points at the target and there's a slight bit of uh, left arm bend at impact. So there are some players that have a pretty straight left arm. Uh, depends on the body type and uh, what kind of backswing coil that you have. But in reality, the left arm is controlled by the right arm. So how much the right arm bends uh, determines really how much the left arm bends. And you're not trying to keep your left arm stiff or lock your elbow. If you just keep your right arm 
at say less than a 90 degree bend from your forearm to your uh, your upper arm most pros have about a 75 uh, percent there between the forearm and the upper arm and most amateurs have way more than 90 degrees and it's usually because they don't turn very good and they have to bend their arms to get the get the backswing, get some power in their backswing. But if you make a better coil and keep that right arm less than 90 degrees, you'll create width and uh, you'll uh, hit it, hit the ball a lot farther. So I hope that helps you. Thank you, Bruce. We appreciate that. You can find out more about Bruce and his uh, winter package coming up uh, there at Langdon Farms. Just go to langdonfarms.com, click on instruction. You'll see his picture there. Um, I'll tell Jim a little story here real quick before we go to break. Uh, Bruce uh, used to work for Jim McLean, and uh, he went to school with him, and he played on the University of Houston's uh, golf team down there. So mm. with all those guys like Freddie Couples and those yeah. guys. So anyway, yeah. we're, we're going to take a break. We're going to be back with my good friend Jim Dodson right after this. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green here on AM860, The Answer, and the Golf News Net. Uh, we are working on some stuff. I've already told you about this that is going to come out through Golf News Net on Hulu. Apple, Amazon television. I'm going to be doing some cooking because I don't golf well at all, but it's going to look good. Um, the food will look great. So, and I've got a bartender, I think that's going to work with me to talk about the cocktail aspect of it. So look for that next spring. And, um, and then here's another announcement for you folks in this segment, beginning of every month, Jim is going to be on in this segment talking about his column for the upcoming month on Global Golf Post. So how's that? Whoa. Yeah. Yep. Talking, talking. Yeah. yeah, you got to talk. You're a good talker. Well, I have one I have one that came on yesterday or like this Saturday about playing John Updike on Masters Week. It was actually from the range bucket list, but it's a fun fun one because it was uh I it was my first Masters as a reporter. And I stay. I was there on like Tuesday, Wednesday. I was there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then I flew home Thursday, Friday afternoon, just to play golf with John Updike in, in 50 degree mist at Myopia Hunt Club north of Boston. And it was, it was the worst round both of us had played in our lives. So we had a lot of fun. <laughs> um, called it Gronkle. Gronkle. Yes. Yeah. We were playing Gronkle. Um. 
Well, you got to remember that Gronk used to play for the Patriots, and now he's with what's his name Brady down there in the Florida. So you know they're playing Gronk down there too. If you're a football guy. Forty. Yeah, I know. But John Updike and I had Gronkle first. You know, yeah. Gronkle. Oh yeah. No, it was all good. It was all good. Um, I look forward to being you being on the show every month, Jim, and telling us about um, what's what's coming up and. You know, the characters you're yeah, finding be, out there. Yeah, it'll usually be around the 8th or 9th, I think, we're going to post it. So uh, the next one is coming up is on a young a man who uh, was kind of the from one of the first families of golf, Ike Granger's, uh, Ike Granger the fourth, who's, who's I, the Granger family was uh, deeply in golf, and I'll save that story for another time. Sure. Now, now, some of the folks who've never heard you and I talk before might not get this reference, but we've got about three minutes left, so you can explain it. Do you still wear funky green pants to golf tournaments? Oh, that's so mean of you. When I moved to Pinehurst, when I went down to Pinehurst, I had a, uh, I had a, uh, um, I got on a wild hair that somebody said, oh, my wife is saying your, your, your khaki pants are all ratty. And you're going to be in the national media again. You need to get some nice new pants. So I went to a local department store, and I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I love that story. They had a special on these kind of green pants. They kind of a, you know, I guess they were kind of a hip spring pants. So I bought them, and they looked terrible. I looked terrible in them, and so um, <laughs> at least, and I'm not really vain about that stuff at all. So. I just got them. I felt I felt like I was wearing electric pants out on the golf course. I wore them out there once, and like like the TV, I was blinding the TV cameras or something. So I, I stuck them away, and then I took them home to Maine, where we were living. We lived for twenty years, and I, I put them on one time to play uh, wiffle ball with a bunch of kids uh, in the, on a wet day, and I, I slid into home and tore them apart. <laughs> I've never had green pants again. There you go. You know Jeff Sanders out here. He wears red pants. They're the, they promote or produce the um, well, it's a, the Winco, which is part of the Corn Ferry Tour, um, <clears throat> which was so nice. Is it like the Bermuda pink red or no? No, these suckers red. are bright cherry red. They are, oh, okay. they are bright cherry They're red. Yeah, and he's had them. For a while, I think he wore them when he played on the tour. I'm not sure. I'm, they're probably not the same actual garment, but they're similar. Yeah, yeah. And so I have yeah, to yeah. give him a hard time about that because I'm a, you know, I'm a blue jeans guy anymore. Um, I had to wear suits yeah, and did. coats and ties for a long time, but I don't have to much yeah, anymore. So it's a, yeah, and that's that's the hard part for me. I'd love to, wear, I, you know, the, the, I wrote a book for a guy named. Um, Rick Kane, who has a built beautiful visionary course uh, called Terra Edi out in New Zealand. And what I loved about the guy was, you know, his, his constant clothing is blue jeans and kind of an old, an old shirt. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I love the guy. And he, uh, anyway, that was, you, you, you can't wear blue jeans on my golf courses. So I, it's always kind of odd when I go to play golf with my buddies and I have to go, I still have those old worn out khakis. So that's what I play in now. There you go. There you go. I've got that. Uh, I'm going to talk Jim into sticking around for the after hour segment, but we're out of time for the regular show here. And um, we want to thank Jim and he'll, you'll be hearing from him every month. I promise. So it's been great to have me on uh, again, Jim. My pleasure. Anything for you, JT. You got it. Um, next week we got the Hawk. 
he's going to give us his take on uh, on the Masters. And uh, Jim and I are actually going to talk about the Masters in the after hours. So you want to catch that. Until next week, I'll be back. Uh, we want to thank everybody for listening. And go out there and do something nice. Be kind to somebody. Take care, everybody. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved.